Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about Joseph today. You guys are probably familiar with Joseph and his coat of many colors. And um, it's, you know, it's a great story. It's got a lot of sad parts in it, though. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give the short telling of it, and then I'll read a little bit of the scripture from it. But we'll just jump in. Joseph was a son that was born to Jacob in his elder years. So Jacob finally has Joseph, but he already had a whole bunch of sons before, but in a what not to do action of parenting, he loved Joseph more than all the rest and made it obvious by giving him this beautiful, multicolored, better than the rest of you robe. And for some reason, the brothers didn't appreciate or enjoy that. The other thing that he did was that he would send Joseph to go check on his brothers and then bring back the report about them, whether it was good or bad. And apparently sometimes it was bad. So this was not going well. I don't know how many of you guys like tattletales, but he kind of set his son up to be his favorite son and a tattletale with his awesome robe. So parents, even if you have a favorite, don't tell anybody. <laughs> That's not the preach, but it's really good advice. So his brothers hated him. <laughs> they, they really did. In fact, it says in the scriptures that they hated him. And there was something that happened that made them hate him even more, and that was he had a couple of dreams, and he shared it with the brothers. And the first dream that he had was that they were out in the field, and they all cut their wheat, and he had his sheath of wheat, and all of his other brothers had a sheath of wheat, so, you know, a big bundle of wheat. And then his stood up high, and all of his brothers bowed down to his. And so he woke up and said, hey, bros, I just had this dream. And how many of you guys know that dream didn't take much to interpret, and it says, and they hated him. Then he had another dream, and in this dream, he saw the sun and the moon and the stars, and even they bowed down to him, and he told it to his dad and his brothers, and his dad actually rebuked him and said, son, what are you saying, that your mother and I and, and, and your brothers and everyone is going to bow down to you? And Joseph was just kind of like, hey, man, I, I, I calls it like I dreams it. Like he just was saying what the dream was, but his, but his brothers hated him even more, but it says that his father pondered it in his heart. So Joseph is like 17 years old. He's not like 17 years old. That's how I just talked. He was 17 years old, and he's sharing these dreams with his brothers. So at a certain point, his dad says, hey, go out and check on your brothers. They've got all, the, all of the, the animals out in the flocks and such. Go check on them, see how they're doing. I think they're in such and such a place. So he heads out to go check on his brothers, and as he's coming, his brothers see him. Am I going too fast? She's such a ninja. I just love it. If you guys think I'm going too fast, just start going like this. And then I'll just, that you can look out for Sarah. His brothers see him, and one of his brothers says, you know what, here comes that dreamer. What do you say we kill him? And then we'll see what comes of his dreams. But Reuben, the oldest brother, not wanting to kill his brother, said, brothers, it's a bad idea for us to kill him. Let's just toss him down in this cistern. And... Um, and so they throw him down in the cistern. There's no water in it. And Reuben apparently heads off to do something because the other brothers are eating lunch, hanging out while Reuben's gone because he was planning to come back later, get Joseph and give him back to his father. But while he was gone, there was a, there was a, um, a caravan of Ishmaelites that were headed towards Egypt. And one of the brothers says, hey, you know what? Why should we murder our brother and have his blood on our hands? Why don't we grab him out of here, sell him to the Ishmaelites, and that way we at least won't have murdered him. So they sell him into slavery and off he goes. They take his coat of many colors, tear it up a little bit, pour some 
some lamb's blood on it, bring it back to dad. And they're like, yeah, do you recognize this dad? Is this something you might recognize? He's like, oh my gosh, it's Joseph's. He's been, he's been killed. And so he grieves his son. Well, things are going great for Joseph. <laughs> he had a great dream. It was an awesome dream. It was from the Lord. And now he is a slave on his way to Egypt. He gets to Egypt, and he's sold to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar is an official in Pharaoh's house in Egypt, a pretty, pretty high-up guy. And, um, and as, as Joseph begins to serve him as his slave, everything that Joseph touches prospers because God is with Joseph. And Potiphar notices this, and he's like, man, this dude is bringing me the prophets. This is great. And so he puts him in charge of everything except for what he decides to eat every day. He's like, Joseph, you are the guy. Handle it. It says in the message version that uh, Joseph was pretty stinking hot. And so his wife, it actually says that he was well-built and handsome. <laughs> but the message, I think, anyway, whichever, whichever translation you like, he was attractive, and Potiphar's wife was like, mm, me likey. And so she began to approach him, and he's like, lady, I can't do this. My master, Potiphar, has put me over everything. There's only two things that, I, that are not for me. One is what he's going to eat each day, and the other is you. And I'm not going to do that. And so she keeps pursuing him. Finally, she sets him up to where everyone is gone from the house, and he comes walking in. She says, please, sleep with me. And he says no, and he runs away, but she grabs his cloak. And so then she's very upset. She tells Potiphar, hey, this guy tried to take advantage of me. Potiphar is furious and throws Joseph in prison. So now he's in this prison for the officials of Egypt. So he's kind of in the white-collar prison, but it's still prison. And so things, again, are going awesome. Now, as he's in prison... He gets promoted because everything he does, does well. So he, whatever's put in front of him, he's managing it well. He ends up managing the whole prison. That's nice, but you're still in prison. I mean, are you guys with me on this story? This is a rough gig. So he's 17. At 28 years old, all of a sudden, there's a couple of prisoners that get sent in. One is a cupbearer to Pharaoh, which apparently was a pretty darn good job. Uh, and the other one was the head baker, and they, they had upset Pharaoh, so he throws him in prison. It says after some time that they had been in prison, then uh, they had a dream, both of them, in the same night. And they're both perplexed. And uh, Joseph comes in, and he says, you guys look bummed out. What's going on? You, you look bummed. And they said, well, we both had a dream. We have no idea what they mean. He says, well, you know, translation belongs to the Lord. Tell me about the dream. So they tell him the dream, and he interprets it. So he interprets the, both of their dreams. He says to the cupbearer, he says, look, in three days, what your dream means is you're going to be restored to the position that you were in, and Pharaoh will promote you back up, and you're going to then take, take care of him from here on out, and he's got you. You're in a good spot. And he's like, thank God, that sounds amazing. And so the baker's like, sweet, do mine, do mine. And he says, in three days, you're going to also come before Pharaoh, and he's going to hang you, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. It's like, <laughs> can I get a different interpretation? So he says to the cupbearer, he says, now listen, when you go back before Pharaoh, remember me. Remember me. This is what he says. <laughs> In Genesis 40, verse 23, after their things happen, it says, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. <laughs> is that just the worst? I mean... That, how amazing is that part of the story? You know, it goes exactly as he says, but he did not remember him. 
he forgot him. How many of you feel like that's kind of where you are right now, right? You're just like, <laughs> you're in the middle of it. You're being faithful. You're doing this great thing. You're like, this is going to go great. This is my moment. And then that person does not remember you. They forgot you. So he waits for two more years. So for the next two years, Joseph's like, man, I wonder if he talked to Pharaoh. For two years. So now he's 30 years old. 30 years old now. And Pharaoh has a dream. And you guys are familiar with the dream he had. He had some, a dream about some wheat, seven stalks. And, then the, and they're beautiful and glorious and gorgeous. And then they get eaten up by seven skinny stalks of wheat. And this is dream language, but you can picture it, you know, kind of. And then you've got the cows, these big, fat, sassy, delicious Probably Hereford cows, just mm, delicious. And then they get eaten up by these scrawny, yeah, probably Angus. <laughs> and so the Pharaoh says, I don't understand what this means. And, and he's asking all the wise men and the sorcerer and all the smartest people that are out there. And finally, then the cupbearer's like, actually, now that it benefits me, I don't know, I'm reading that into it. Like, really? Two years? You can't remember? Anyway, so suddenly he goes, oh, oh, wait, I remember. There's this guy in prison from when you were unhappy with me a couple years back, and he actually interpreted my dream. It was kind of a big deal because then he put me in front of you. Oh, anyway, he says, but he can interpret your dream. And so at, at 30 years old, then Joseph comes up. Pharaoh says, can you interpret? He says, no, but God can interpret it. He is the interpreter of all dreams, and he interprets his dream. Pharaoh is so blown away at this point at the answer to the dream, as well as that Joseph says, so therefore, I would encourage you, Pharaoh, to set aside 20%, one-fifth of everything that's produced for the first seven years, and then you will not only be able to live through the famine, but you'll be able to help others in the world and be a great, you know, you'll be, you'll be able to save many through this. And Pharaoh goes, this is mind blown. There's no one here that could be as wise as you having come up with this answer. So therefore he makes him second in command in the entire kingdom of the most powerful kingdom in the world at that time, which is awesome, right? It's like, wow, that was super cool. Yeah. 13 years later, did you catch this? 13 years later, that's a huge deal. Now, as you remember now, it's seven years of really good, fantastic harvests. So now he's 37 years old. And I don't know if you guys remember what the dream was. Do you remember the dream? Yeah, well, his dream initially was that his brothers were going to bow down to him. And that his father and the rest of them were going to bow down to him. This is what kind of started the trouble for him. And so now here he is. It's thir he's 37, so it's been 20 years. And the good harvests turn now. And then about two years into that, we see then that his brothers return. So it was after the second year of famine at age 39 that he then has the interactions with his brothers. So now he's 39 years old. And in, and in Genesis 42, it's really interesting because it says, as his brothers show up, and they don't recognize him, right? They actually think he's dead. So here's just this good-looking statesman. 
that they're coming before, and they all bow down before him. And in verse 42, it says, and when his brothers bowed down before him, he remembered his dream. You think about that for a minute. This is over 20 years later that a 17-year-old had two dreams. And things have gone pretty crazy. In fact, to the point that he had forgotten that dream. And of course he would, right? I mean, it's like you would probably remember more of like your brother selling you into slavery or Potiphar throwing you into prison or the cupbearer forgetting you or, I mean, like a lot of things have happened, but what he didn't remember was the dream. And it says, and when they bowed down before him to ask for grain, it was in that moment that he remembered. And then he he, as you guys know the story, he begins to test them, etc. He wants to find out if his father's alive. He wants to find out if Benjamin is alive because Benjamin was born of the same mother as him. And he's wondering, well, you guys kind of seem to be killing off my part of the crew. <laughs> so he, ch- he checks to see if Benjamin is there. Let's take up the account here. But I want, you to, I want you to pick this up. It's been at least 21 years. It may have been actually the 22nd year since Joseph had had the dreams His brothers bow down to him, and he remembers the dream that he had. And then in Genesis 45, 1 through 14, it says this. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Yeah. And Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. So that means he's 37. You guys doing the math here? No, I'm messing up the math. Are you checking my math here? For two years, and there's going to be five more. And he says, there will be no plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. I mean, what has happened inside of Joseph at this point to understand that he's actually forgiven his brothers. He's like, man, that was horrible. Like, you guys did me wrong. You meant it for evil. But I actually see how God worked it to good. And you're going to live because I'm here. If you hadn't sent me here, you wouldn't live. And neither would Pharaoh or anyone else. This famine would be devouring us. But God has actually worked in the midst of this to make this happen. But, But what I want you guys to catch here is that what got formed in him It took 22 years for him to be in the right place at the right time, but not just that, with the right heart. His dream took 22 years to come to pass from the time that he heard it to the time that he was the person that God had called him to be. Not just in the event, but the man himself. In Psalms uh, 105, 8 through 19, David is writing about this, and he says, 
of God. He remembers his covenant forever. The promise he made for a thousand generations. The covenant he made with Abraham. The oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree. To Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. And when they were but a few in number, a few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. But he allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. He called down famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food. We're in Joseph's day now. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. Catch this. Till what he foretold came to pass. Till the word of the Lord proved him true. Till what he foretold came to pass. Till the word of the Lord proved him true. Joseph was proved true. Joseph was tested by that word until that word finally came to pass. And that word didn't test Joseph and find him lacking. That word continued to test Joseph until Joseph was the kind of man that proved to be true to what God was designing him to be and to do. Are you seeing that? And how long did that take? How many years? 22. 22 years that God formed that in him. Isn't that amazing? How many of you guys do not like hearing that number? <laughs> the word of the Lord tested him until it came to pass. I want you to grab a hold of this picture because God has a plan and a word over our lives and we're part of his story. We all play small integral parts in the greatest, biggest story of all. Did you get that? You are part of the biggest, most beautiful, most incredible story of all. Jesus is the star, and you and I get to play small, supporting roles. Amen? We need to comfort ourselves with the truth, and we need to not faint because his word is going to come to pass. The word of the Lord will prove us true. This is part of our story. The word of the Lord in your life. You have words over your life. You have dreams over your life. You have things that are spoken over your life. But you know what? It's going to take a long time as he forms Christ in us so that we be proved true, that we be proved true by his word. He's working in us. Let me read about someone else who went through a time of this sort. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. How old is he? Okay. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Preteens. <laughs> but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, and then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. And when they didn't find him, now you guys, 
that are from smaller families, you don't understand that. But you get with all your cousins and everything else, right? You're like, I'm pretty sure Jesus is with his cousin. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I just didn't want you to be besmirching Mary. She was a good mom. All right. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. And when they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus understood who he was at this point. Right? His mom's been telling him, you are the son of God. She's been teaching him in the scriptures, etc. And he's very confident. I am actually the son of God. And so his 12-year-old application of that was that he forgot to tell his parents where he was. Where he was. Where he was. Whew. Let me get a little more coffee. I think that's the problem. But he clearly has some growing up to do. Are you with me? How many of you guys think good 12-year-olds are supposed to just not tell their parents where they are and then not be with them while they go a day's journey away? That was not, it, obviously it wasn't a sin, but it wasn't smart either. It's probably a Ceylon on both sides of that, huh? But he understood who he was. Now, watch as this continues. He then went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Doesn't that remind you of somebody? Joseph and Jacob. He's got this dream. He knows where he's going. He knows what's happening. He's speaking of these things that are to come, these huge promise. Jacob treasured it in his heart. It says it pondered it. He pondered it in his heart. Here's Mary pondering this, this reality of Jesus, this, this, this destiny of Jesus in her heart. And then listen to this next one. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man for 18 more years. Because Jesus began his ministry when he stood up in the synagogue and said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. When he got up to read Isaiah 61 and say, in this day, this has been completed in your sight, that was when he was 30 years old. For 18 more years, he stayed, and it says... He went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, and he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, there's a lot to be said about that. Jesus had to grow in stature, wisdom, and favor. Now, for most of us, we would think, well, probably with man, because they didn't know who he was, so he had to kind of prove himself. But that's not the only one that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with. He also grew in wisdom and favor and stature with God for 18 more years. We can't rush past this. We, we have to understand, the Son of God himself, born of a virgin, God incarnate, had to grow in the same way that we grow. We have to embrace this reality. We patiently wait and we are present with God and others, growing in stature and wisdom and favor with God and man. So that like Christ, when we're being hammered and crucified in one way or another, then we say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. 
when we, like Joseph, have been sold out by the people closest to us who didn't believe in us and even resisted the very word of God that would eventually come to pass, when he's worked it to good, we're not vindictive and say, yeah, well, whatever. Instead, we say, you know what? Don't be hard on yourself. I forgive you. You meant it for bad at the time, but God has worked it to good. Aren't you just glad we're together now? And look, we're going to live. There's five more years of famine coming. Let me take care of you. God has sent me to save the world, and I'm glad to help save you. He was like a picture of Christ, and we are like Christ too. We are ministers of reconciliation, and God is forming Christ in us right now. But you know what? For a lot of years, it's the most valuable, incredible part of it. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 5, uh, 1 through 5. Therefore... Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Pretty awesome. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being poured into us is the presence of hope that we have. We rejoice in our sufferings, understanding that the time of waiting between the dream that you had, the vision that you had, the promise that you had, and the space of suffering and disappointment and dreams that keep waiting and problems that come up and those that betray you and those that resist, those that misunderstand, the enemy, all the things that happen in life. That perseverance, as you continue, actually forms the character of Christ in you. And that perseverance, what does it bring? Perseverance, character. And whose character? The character of Christ. That same, in another place, it says the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead is working mightily in each of us, forming Christ in us. That's what's happening in these 18 years and 30 years and 22 years and for me, 46 years so far that God is forming Christ in us. Let me read to you from James 1, 2 through 5. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith causes perseverance. There's that word again. You know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. If you don't go through these things, you will not have perseverance produced in you. Are you with me? There's some wrestling coaches in this house. How well do your athletes perform if they never have an opponent? God is forming Christ in us. He's treating us like daughters and sons. And then it says this, let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Did you catch this? We have to go through trials in order to have perseverance. And we will not become mature. We will not become complete 
we will lack unless we go through these trials, and these trials take time. There's no hack when it comes to spending the time. I love this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. It reminds me again, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We can ask, God, give me wisdom then in this time. God, give me your character in this time. Give me hope in this time. Fill me with your Holy Spirit in this time. Let me be present with you and with those that are with me in this time. But whatever you do, God, don't take me out of it until Christ is formed in me. Don't stop short until I have the full character of Christ that I'm mature and complete and lacking nothing so I can look at somebody who hurt me and be able to tap into your love and it's natural to say, Lord, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Heal me. Lord, heal me. I need healed. I just got my heart broken again. I just got, you know, disappointed by someone again. I just got stabbed right in my lovey parts again. But God, you can heal that. So heal me, but forgive them. And heal them too, Lord. And that won't happen unless we allow the Lord to cause us to grow in wisdom and stature. Amen? And favor. We're on a timeline that is bigger than our current moment. God is doing things in this earth. Jesus is the star. The father is the good father. He's rescued us and we've joined the team. We're part of his story. We're sons and daughters that have been pulled into this. We gotta, I want you to grab a hold of this. We're part of something beautiful and worthy. Our lives and our deaths are valued and they're spent perfectly with a good God. He's not going to waste your life and he's not going to waste your death. Are you with me? He is not going to do that. This is the area where patience is hard is because we actually don't trust him. We're like, God, don't you see all this? You are wasting so much talent. Imagine if you did actually peak in what's important when you're 25 or 18. Wouldn't that be horrible? Like, God, why am I not in the center of my destiny? And he's like, because you're 18. What about now, Lord? Because you're only 30. Do you really want to peak at 30? Do you want a downhill slide from 30 till 90? That's a... All right, just let you think about that. He's, let me just say the good part again. He's not going to waste our life or our death. He's a good father, and he's enfolded us into his story. And let me tell you this. Let me, let, me, let me help you. We have to understand and accept that he's building something more valuable in each of us than merely the dream or the action or the event that we will someday find ourselves doing. Are you with me? The, the, the best thing about Joseph was not that his brothers bowed down to him. The dream was that they would bow down. Check. Imagine if that was all it was. That dream was so much bigger. The dream was that he saved the world and through those lines, Christ came and saved the whole earth and everybody in it. Are you with me? The dream just was, a, was just a milepost. It was just a sign on the way. What God was doing was forming Christ in Joseph. Do you guys see this? 
And you're just like Joseph. So stop worshiping the dream. Stop making the dream like, oh, if I could just be in that space, then I'd feel all the feels and everything would be right. No. If you get there and you don't have Christ in you and you don't understand this yet, you'll be just as miserable then as you are now, if not worse, because you'll have gotten to the dream, but you didn't become the person that you are in him. And so then you go, oh, no. I've how, many, how many rock stars and superstars commit suicide because they reached the pinnacle of fame and they thought that was actually what's worth living for? It was a gift on their life that God gave them. They were designed to do it, but they thought that's who they were. And it's just something they do. It's just a day where they delivered some grain. And when they reached it and they'd already put everything into that one moment, that one title, that one event, and then they realized... It's empty. It's worthless. It's just a thing. It's just a cheese sandwich. It's just some grain in the middle of a famine. And they didn't find Christ and they ended it. But you're no different and I'm no different if we try to make destiny or dreams or missions or good works or any other thing what only us being present with God and others will do that we have Christ formed in us. So let's do this. Let's let him form Christ in us. Let's be patient and let perseverance have its perfect work. He's teaching us to be daughters and sons and friends. And we are growing in wisdom and stature and favor. And this takes lots of time. But none of that time is wasted. Can you receive that? Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray together. I'd like to ask the uh, elders and the home group leaders, if you would, to come forward for those that would like to receive more prayer and blessing, because we want to agree for God to do this in all of your lives. And if some of you would allow us, we'd love to give you a longer time of ministry and prayer and support you in what God's doing. So don't, don't leave without getting more ministry if you want it, because we love to serve you. Whew. All right. So first thing I want to ask for is consent. Will you receive this message that God is not wasting your life? All right. All right. If that's the case, then I'm going to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I lift up my own heart and all of us together today, your sons and daughters, and I ask God that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that we would begin to embrace both trials and time as you bring the perfect work of perseverance, which brings character and character hope. And that hope comes by receiving your Holy Spirit as you form Christ in us. I ask today, Lord, again, the same thing I prayed at the beginning. May we know you as you are and know ourselves as you know us. And may we grow, Lord, and enjoy growing in wisdom and stature and favor with man, but most of all, God, first and foremost, with you. Teach us how to be friends, Lord. Teach us how to be your friends. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, say amen.